One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Please don't do that. It makes me me feel rage. (laughs) No, I'm serious because I have misophonia. I'm not even kidding you. Do you have mesotheliomia? Have you been to Camp Lejeune? (laughs) I didn't know you've been to Camp Lejeune. There's so much I don't know about you. (laughs) Okay, okay. Hi, I'm Gabby. And I'm Rob. And this is Dark Origins Podcast, a podcast where I tell Rob about the inspirations between every medium of art, movies, TV shows, songs, etc. But today, I'm going to be telling Rob about the true life story behind a few different um, pieces of art, actually. Huh. So these are the, the uh, movies that were based off of this story. The Legend of Alfred Packer, Cannibal, exclamation point, the musical. Oh, yeah. And Ravenous. So there's, um, those are the three big ones. I've, I've heard of Ravenous. I've heard of uh, Cannibal and uh, the other ones I'm I'm not familiar with, but this sounds interesting. Yes. So the story, so the, the, the true story is, um, the story of Alfred Packer, otherwise known as the Colorado Cannibal. Oh, that makes sense why they made a musical called Cannibal about this guy. Yeah, so he gained infamy after he cannibalized fellow members that he got caught in the snowy Colorado wilderness with during a winter expedition to find gold. But this is different than the Donner Party. Yes. Okay, cool. So this happened, this is a common thing in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seems to be. When did this happen? This was a long time ago, right? Yeah, this happened in well, this happened in the 1800s. So oh. this happened after the Donner Party. Um, right, but right. Still happened a long time ago. Maybe he got the idea from them. <laughs> I mean, 
I think that eating people because you are starving, it like when trapped out, whether it's on at sea or in the wilderness, is actually kind of common. Like it's not that uncommon that throughout history, when people get trapped somewhere and they're starving, once people die, they yeah. eat them to survive. All right. So, yeah, tell me about this guy. What happened out there? Let's start out with his early life. He was one of three born to Esther Greiner and James Packer in Pennsylvania on January 21st, 1842. His father, James, moved the family to Indiana when Alfred was around 10 years old. But the relationship between Alfred and his parents was pretty tumultuous. So he eventually moved out in his later teenage years. All right. He opted to move to Minnesota to find work. And then not too long after the Civil War, Alfred decided to enlist in the Union Army. He worked in the 16th U.S. Infantry Regiment, Company F, for about eight months before he was honorably discharged for health issues. Alfred suffered from epilepsy, which caused him to have frequent seizures. This didn't stop him from enlisting again in a different regiment, but unfortunately he was discharged again less than a year later. So... They didn't have any, you know, any way to know, right? Like if you get discharged, the army didn't have like a database, right? So they had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, yeah they definitely didn't have a way to track that well. Okay. Um. So Alfred moved on to find his dreams elsewhere. He eventually became swept up in the gold rush and moved west. He worked for nine years in the Rocky Mountains as a miner and a guide. So... The expedition that led Alfred to become known as the Colorado Cannibal began in 1873 without him. The group consisted of 20 prospectors traveling from Salt Lake City, Utah to Breckenridge, Colorado. And um, before I continue, let me say a lot of these places were not yet either named like what we know them today. So instead of saying like present day, you know, whatever in front of every single time that I say a city name. I'm just calling them what their present day name is. But a lot of these places were either like Colorado was a territory still. Sure. So they're not like officially known as what we know them today. Right. Let alone the cities, right? The cities probably hadn't been named or if they were, they were called something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The leader was a man named Bob McGrew. Alfred did not join the group until he stumbled upon them in Provo, which was about 25 miles into the group's journey. Alfred convinced the men that he was not only a fellow prospector, but a seasoned guide as well, which was helpful to the group because none of the men had any real knowledge of Colorado's geography or terrain. Did he? Not really. So, I mean, he did work as a guide in the Rocky Mountains, um, but he, no, he didn't have any. He didn't know this part of the Rockies. Right. Yeah. He, he had. And even his experience as a guide in the Rocky Mountains, I'm not quite sure. He lies a lot, so I'm not quite sure how well of a guide he actually was. Um, (laughs) He's also not a very trustworthy person. So, yeah, I just, I don't know. But he definitely did not know what the fuck he was doing when it came to Colorado's geography. So the group was wary of Alfred because he did not seem to have the resources necessary to embark on such a journey but they took a chance on him considering his skills as a guide could be extremely helpful for them. Alfred was also known to be disagreeable and antagonistic. He had sticky fingers and he was notorious for lying. So this probably added to the group's reluctance in allowing him to join. 
The original group would ultimately splinter when almost half of them decide to stay through the winter with Native Americans they met along the way, which is how we have the information about Alfred's introduction to the group and some insight into his behavior and personality. The group trekked along for almost three months before breaking up. In that time, the men who stayed behind were called Alfred's laziness, greedy nature when it came to rations, inability to get along with other members of the group, especially a man named Frank Miller. I guess they fought like pretty often um, in his clear lack of knowledge and experience. It had become pretty clear that Alfred likely lied completely about his qualifications as a guide. By mid-January, the group had not made much headway. They were caught in the middle of an unusually brutal storm. Winter was fully upon them, and the snow was making it impossible to follow the Spanish Trail. This, combined with their lack of knowledge on Colorado geography, caused the group to become lost. I can see that happening. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They were also running out of resources. They ran out of food and were forced to eat the horse feed, and they knew they would have to eat the horses sooner than later. All right, so they're going around, they're lost, and they're realizing they got to eat these horses eventually. Like, that sucks. Because, like, when you're out there, I mean, animals, you know, we're animal lovers, big time animal lovers. And in that situation, like, yes, the horse is there to do work for you, but you would still have a a relationship with it. Yeah. 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 I would... I would probably die before I ate one of my I no, not probably. I would I would die before I would do that. I know. You can't even say it out loud. That's hilarious. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I know. Uh I yeah, I'm not eating a dog. Yeah, or the sugar gliders. But no. I do love a hot dog. Okay. Well I'm hungry. I haven't had dinner yet. I know. Okay. So um on January twenty first, eighteen seventy four, the men fortunately arrived at the Ute camp of Chief Uray near present day Mount Rose, Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Chief Uray and the tribe members that lived at the camp were known to be altruistic and kindly provided food and shelter to the men. Wow, nice, nice. Yeah. Chief Uray cautioned the men against continuing on their expe- expedition until weather conditions improved. He offered to allow the men to stay at his encampment until spring came. Some of the men, emboldened by rest and full bellies and afraid of missing out on the huge gold strike, decided to go against the advice of Chief Uray. Bad idea. You got a guy that lives there and is like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And he, yeah, he literally said like, no, you would try to make that truck right now. And these are people that live live there there, that know the geography. And and also they've got food and tents and uh, fire, you know? Yeah. And these guys literally have nothing. Or, and they sound cool. Yeah, this this uh, tribe in this encampment was very cool and very nice to people who needed help. That's awesome. Um, so um, the chief tried to change their minds, but seeing that they were intent on going, he provided them with food and directions to get to their next destination. The directions he gave them went around the mountains instead of going through them. It was the safest way for them to go in the middle of such a big storm. Sure. So like half the group leaves, half the group stays, basically. The men took off on their way with their first stop being the Los Pinos Indian Agency. The second split occurred pretty soon after. Alfred told the men that they should ignore the advice of Chief Uray and go through the mountains as he thought it would be faster. The group had almost none of the necessary resources to travel through the mountain in the middle of the winter. 
They didn't have any like Canada goose <laughs> no. jackets. They didn't have okay, okay. <laughs> they were already low on food and did not have any of the correct attire, no heavy jackets, and no snowshoes. On top what? of that, they barely had any matches and they had no flint at all. So And they want to walk through a terrible blizzard in Colorado. Over a mountain. Right, with like five feet of powder, probably? Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you mean? I know. Despite all of this, Alfred was able to convince five of the men to follow him. They were Shannon Wilson Bell, James Humphrey, Frank Miller, George Noon, and Israel Swan. All men? Yeah, there's no women on this trip. Okay. Around two months later, on April 16th, 1874, Alfred staggered into the Los Pinos Indian Agency. In his possession was one rifle and another member's skinning knife. He was offered food and whiskey, which he quickly ate. He told the men that he was lagging behind the men in his group, who were all struggling, so they left him to set up a camp and gave him one of their rifles. They went to search for food, but according to Alfred, they never came back. So Alfred was forced to navigate his way back to the outpost with no food and barely any resources. The people listening to his story did find it odd, but they had no reason to suspect he was lying. They allowed him to stay and recover for 10 days before sending him on his way to Sawatch, Colorado. Mm -hmm. Alfred stayed at Dolan's Saloon, where he quickly gained a reputation for spending a lot of money. He spent hundreds of dollars, which would amount to thousands of dollars in today's money. Others noticed that he seemed to have multiple wallets. Around oh. this time, some of the original group from Provo arrived in Sawatch. So these things, coupled with the fact that Alfred's stories seemed to change every time he told it, made them very suspicious. One of the men, Preston Nutter, ended up getting into a fight with Alfred and accusing him of doing something to the men. This is also how we know that Alfred had another man's skinning knife, because um, Nutter like saw the knife and he knew that it was one of the other men's Okay, knives. so Nutter was from Provo or whatever. Yes, he was from the original group. Okay. And the, he's like, that's Billy Bob's knife. Yeah. Okay. The group that chose to follow Chief Uray's instructions eventually arrived at Los Pinos Indian Agency. So we're talking about the second group that right. um, left, but went around the mountain instead of through it. Right. They left. Wait. Okay. The second group that just left in April is also going around the mountain? Mm, there's So there's the the original group. They all go. Yep. Half of that group. Stays in Provo. Stays. No, no, no. Stays with Chief Uray in his right. encampment. Right. The other half continues on forward. Right. Then that group splinters because Alfred tells... Half, well, Alfred convinces half of them to go through the mountain with him, ignoring oh, right. the chief's advice. The That's other right. half goes around the mountain like the chief told them to do. Yep. Okay. Okay. I got lost. Okay. So that second group has now arrived at Los Pinos Indian Agency. Perfect. Okay. They had a tough go of it, but all of them survived thanks to the help of cowhands that worked for the government cattle camp. They were on the brink of starvation at one point because they had run out of food, but the cowhands found them randomly and took them to their encampment for food and shelter. They stayed there until the end of April before continuing on to Los Pinos Indian Agency. After arriving, they met with General Charles Adams, who was the head of the agency. 
General Adams told the men about Alfred being left behind and being forced to navigate his way to the camp without any food. All of the men responded. Wait, sorry. All of the men were like, yeah, no. Yeah, all of the men (laughs) responded with a resounding no fucking way. They told General Adams that none of the men would have abandoned one of their own, and they told him that Alfred was far from trustworthy. They believed Alfred must have done something horrible. So General Adams sent a mounted agency officer to to retrieve Alfred from Sawatch. Okay, so the cops are on to him. Yes. The officer got there just in time to stop Nutter and a few others from hanging Alfred themselves (laughs) and told Alfred that he was needed to help search for the missing men, which that was a ruse. They obviously suspected him of something and wanted to talk to him. But in order to try to get him to just comply and come with them, they're like, hey, we need you to help, you know, find the other men. Can you come help us? Right, right, right. And he's like, oh, sure. Yeah, why not? Because he's got to keep up his cover. Yeah, he was like a little apprehensive but yes he has to keep up his cover and also if he didn't go with them he was gonna get hanged by these other by the other so nutter was able to tell the officer all that he had witnessed in swatch including the grandiose spending that alfred was partaking in so before they left nutter like pulled the officer aside and he was like hey just so you know he spent like thousands of dollars here and he has other people's wallets like this is super suspicious he has other people's wallets. There's people missing, and this guy's just feeding himself whiskey like crazy. Yeah. When Alfred arrived back to the Los Pinos Indian Agency, he was confronted by the other group of men. He tried to tell them the same story he had told General Adams the first time, but they knew he was lying. Mm-hmm. They also asked him how he got so much money all of a sudden when he had been broke before. Lottery. He told them that he had gotten a loan from someone in Sawatch, to which General Adams responded saying he would have the officer go back to Sawatch to confirm. A council was created after the officer... No, 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 don't don't worry. Don't You don't have to check on it. <laughs> a council was created after the officer came back confirming everyone's suspicions that Alfred had not received any such loan. The council consisted of the other group of men, General Adams, and agency officers. That's a, not a good sign. No. It's like a kangaroo court. What is that? When like, not the court, but like uh kangaroo court, I don't know exactly what the definition is, but it's, it's basically like if you are in a gang, right? And you do something against the gang's rules, the gang holds a court thing. Okay. An unofficial court held by a group of people in order to try to in order to try someone regarded especially without good evidence as guilty of a crime or misdemeanor well they do have crime or misdemeanor huh oh yeah they've got good evidence but they don't have a court system it's like we know you did it we're gonna kill you yeah yeah right like it's we decided you're guilty period you don't get to defend yourself nothing yeah, uh, I mean, I, they probably would have, I don't know, maybe they would have given him the chance to defend himself, but yeah, probably um, not a, Probably not great that it's not, you know. He does. He can say what he wants. They can say, we're going to let you defend yourself. They've had their minds made up. That's the idea behind a kangaroo court. Yeah. Soon after starting the proceedings, two members of the tribe ran into the agency with strips of human flesh in hand. What? Packer fainted in response to this, and when he awoke, he begged for mercy and said he would confess. 
His confessions would change over time, but the first iteration started with the men running out of food and eating whatever roots and plants they were able to forage, occasionally eating a rabbit when they were lucky enough to come across one. As they all spiraled into starvation, he said they started looking at each other strangely, as if they were all human-sized snacks. One day, he said he went to get firewood and came back to find the others sitting around the body of Israel Swan, who apparently died by a hatchet to the head. Apparently, in the process of butchering Swan, they found thousands of dollars on him, so they each took a quarter of the money. Alfred said he got Swan's rifle. Within five days, they were out of meat, according to Alfred, so three of them, including Alfred, turned their eyes to Frank Miller because he was biggest of them all. They went through the same process of butchering him and splitting up his money between them. They repeat this process two more times with James Humphrey and George Noon before it was down to the last two men, Alfred and Shannon Wilson Bell. According to Alfred, they made a pact not to eat each other, (laughs) and they both held on to a rifle. Alfred claimed they tried to forage and hunt for rabbits, but they weren't having much luck. It had been a few days with barely any food when Bell apparently charged at him with his gun, trying to hit him in the head with it. Alfred claimed he had no choice but to hit Bell in the head with the hatchet that was lying next to him. Alfred was now left with all of the money and Bell's butchered body. He arrived to Los Pinos before finishing all of the butchered meat, so he threw whatever remained of Bell away right before he walked up to the camp. So he just is throwing human remains. Nobody's going to find this. Yeah, uh, apparently he thought that animals would eat it. Oh, sure. But I guess that makes sense. But where are the animals? If there were animals around, then maybe um, you wouldn't have to eat people. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which actually, well, I'll tell you at the end of this. Okay. Bell also admitted that he had come to enjoy the taste of human meat, and apparently mm. his favorite cut was the meat around the breasts. The five men from the other group did not believe any part of Alfred's story. They said that Bell would die to save the life of another if he needed to. So the fact that Alfred claimed him and Bell were the last two standing made no sense. General Adams used Alfred's descriptions of the camps they set up to launch a search party. Alfred was brought along to act as the guide, but he didn't lead them to the site of any remains. Oh, really? Right. Like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, After two weeks, he claimed he was lost. Seeing as they were not going to get any information out of Alfred, they headed back to camp. On their way, Alfred tried to use a large knife that he had hidden on his person to kill Herman Lauter, the agency clerk. He was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) This was the last straw for General Adams. So he had Alfred taken to a jail right outside of town, which they took him to a jail right outside of town for his own protection because they knew that he would probably get killed. Yeah, they're not exactly the safest, you know, most secure places back then. Right. It was more like, you just sit here, you know? like. Yeah. While he was jailed, Alfred recanted his confession. He said that none of it was true. What actually happened was that the men promised one another to use their bodies as food if they died of starvation. He said that before any of them died, they had tried to roast and eat their shoes and that they had to carry hot embers in a steel coffee pot because they had run out of matches. Alfred claimed that Swan died first from starvation and exposure. Humphrey died after from exposure. Noon died after Bell killed him. And the only part that remained the same in in both stories is that Bell tried to bludgeon Alfred with his gun. But this time, Alfred said that he shot him instead of hitting him with a hatchet. Okay. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In August, Alfred escaped from jail. Bum, bum, bum. Coincidentally, the bodies of the five men were found on the same day since the snow had melted. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, But wait, were they all like, together? Yes. <gasps> um, gross. This dude just killed everybody and started eat. Oh, gross. Go on. They were found by an illustrator by the name of John Randolph. Happened to be a guy that can draw. Yeah, so he drew the scene. I bet he did. Um, <laughs> He found them near present-day Lake City, Colorado, in a valley that overlooked the Lake Fork on the Gunasori River. Okay. I think that's how that's pronounced. Yeah, it's probably close. They were not too far from civilization, but Alfred was a terrible guide. So either he knew that there was civilization somewhat close, or he... Had no idea. Yeah, if he did, don't you think he would go there where people don't know him? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Instead of going to the 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 place that they know him, and he's gonna, you know, yeah, make up this crazy story. Yeah, that is true. I mean, the people at the um, Los Pinos Indian Agency didn't know him yet, but he did know that the other group was supposed to meet there too, where right. those people would know him. So that is a good point. Um, was he a, do, do we know, is he a smart man? Alfred? Yeah. Like, do you think he, is there any indication that he would have thought this out? Or he's just kind of going on, just doing what he's doing? Yes, there is some indication that he thought this out, which I'll tell you about uh, Okay. when okay. we get closer to them. But I don't know how smart he was. I mean, some some things that he does, I guess, are kind of clever. Other things he does are really not. So Okay. Hit yeah. or miss. He's hit or miss. Yeah. He's an average Joe. Yeah. The bodies were all in different stages of decomposition, but first responders said that extreme violence had occurred. I'm going to read bet. an excerpt from the Wikipedia page because they do a really good job of describing the scene. Okay. Hold on to your hats. So this is what it said. Frank Miller's head was missing entirely from the campsite. His and Israel Swan's corpses had been considerably worked upon by scavengers and were little more than scattered bones. Israel's skull had a jagged chunk missing out of it, and it was presumed that Miller's head had been carried away by an animal. The bodies of George Noon and James Humphreys and James Humphrey were largely flayed torsos of rotting viscera attached to skeletal legs, but with intact and bearded faces with Humphrey's face being slightly more decayed than Noon's. They had received blows to the head, the shape indicating perhaps a hatchet, 
and their bodies had noticeable broken bones. Chan and Bell lay with largely skeletal legs splayed and arms to his sides that were crudely cut to their bones, leading to hands that were still fully skinned. His remaining corpse was a putrid mass of viscera encased in an almost wholly flayed torso, which led to an almost still living face, complete with a thick red beard and bushy hair. Gross. The lack of noticeable decay in his face suggested that he had been the last to die. The top of Bell's skull had been ripped open and his brains were lying on the ground beneath him. The three men whose bodies were still intact or partly intact had flesh and muscle excised from choice in meaty locations. No attempt had been made to consume bone marrow or any organs at all. This dude. Holy crap. Yeah. Like imagine being. These poor people. I know. I know. But okay, so you might get to this. I don't know, but my my first thought was when you said that indicated that he was the last to die. So, was is there clues that this guy was partaking, or were they all eating each other? Like, um, I will, I will get to that, but I'll tell you right now that it's not really known. Okay, they're not sure. Um, but it it just seems like based on everyone's like recollection of them that they wouldn't do something like that you know like starvation will get you to do some weird stuff that's true that is true um but there a lot of experts said that like even though that was a particularly brutal winter yeah there were still a lot of animals around so it's really, no one's really sure how much they actually did starve. Wow. That's heavy, man. Yeah. Okay, carry on. So obviously the scene completely contradicted Alfred's stories. All of the bodies were in the same location, so literally none of Alfred's story could be true, saying that he ate them along the way, or they ate each other along the way. Obviously, the violent wounds contradicted his story as well. Furthermore, there was still a lot of meat left on the bodies of the men, so there's no way that Bell tried to kill Alfred in a fit of starvation. Yeah, that I was thinking that, like, you know, maybe they're wasting away, but it's still a lot of meat when you're eating a human. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. It would last a while. Yeah, like, I also thought that too, like, five days seems like a really quick time to go through for three, four men to go through or three or whatever at that point men to eat a whole human. Yeah. It's not like you're eating, you know, 16 ounce steaks. Right. Like you just eat enough to keep yourself alive. Right. Right. Um, I would think that's what I would think too. Yeah. I mean, anyway, go on. There was a makeshift shelter near the bodies with a path between them that suggested Alfred went back and forth as he needed to butcher meat from the bodies. Sure. They figured that Alfred killed the men to take their money before getting stuck due to inclement weather, so he survived off of their bodies until the weather slowed. But it was not totally clear whether Alfred had overstated his ability as a guide in order to travel with the group to the gold strike in Breckenridge and then led them to miserable deaths due to his negligence, or if he had set out to kill them from the very beginning. 
Many believed that he had a premeditated plan to travel with the men to get to some secluded area along the way, kill them to take all of their things, and then claim that they died due to hunger and exposure. Finally, in March of 1883, Alfred was found. One of the original group members, Gene Cabazon, stumbled upon him by accident in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay, so you said original group members. So this is one of the guys that stayed with the chief. Yes, with Chief Ure, yeah. Chief Ure, yeah. Okay, great. That makes sense. Um, Alfred had been going by the name John Schwartz. Cabazon told the local sheriff, who then got a hold of General Adams, in order to confirm his identification. Since the location of the crimes was now known, Alfred was taken to Hinsdale County to await trial because the bodies were found in Hinsdale County, not in um, Sawatch. Okay, okay. This time, Alfred tried to say that he left to find food in a way out of the mountains and found that Bell had killed all of the men upon his return. Cool story, bro. (laughs) I know, like, it's very clear that every story, he does whatever he can to be the furthest away from committing a crime. Yeah, he's done nothing wrong. He's never done anything wrong in his life. Yeah. Alfred claimed that Bell tried to kill him once he got back, so Alfred shot him with his pistol, then bludgeoned him with a hatchet. He said, I found the redheaded man, Bell, yes. who acted crazy in the morning, sitting near the fire, roasting a piece of meat which he had cut out which he had cut out of the leg of the German butcher, Miller. The latter's body was lying the furthest off from the fire down the stream. His skull was crushed in with the hatchet. The other three were lying near the fire. They were cut in the forehead with the hatchet. Some had two or three cuts. I came within a rod of the fire when the man saw me. He got up with his hatchet towards me when I shot him sideways through the belly. He fell on his face. The hatchet fell forwards. I grabbed it and hit him in the top of the head. I went back to the fire, covered the men up, and fetched to the camp the piece of meat that was near the fire. I made a new fire near my camp and cooked the piece of meat and ate it. I tried to get away every day but could not, so I lived off the flesh of these men the bigger part of 60 days. So he's admitting to eating people, but he didn't kill them. Yeah. yeah, Don't get me wrong here. I didn't do this. Yes, that's what he's saying. Because at the time, even though cannibalism wasn't like accepted, it people understood. If you get trapped out in the wilderness and people yeah. around you die, they did understand eating other people. Like they did the I Donner think, Party. You I think know. people would still understand that. Yeah. I, yeah. To some degree. Like it's absolutely. gross, but... You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Like people understand the need to try to survive. Sure. So eating these men wasn't, you know, that that in and of itself wasn't a crime. So he's trying to do anything he can to, yeah, you know, because cannibalism is not a crime in the U.S. I don't know if it's a crime in other countries, but there's really no way that you could commit cannibalism without committing a crime in the process, if that makes sense. Right, unless there's an ex- extreme circumstance. Which I don't even know. Yeah, like this. Yeah. 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 Um, a plane crash or something. Yeah. Yellow Jackets. Situation. Great show. I love if you it. guys aren't watching Yellow Jackets, I don't know what you're doing. Get Showtime. Get Yellow Jackets. It's dope. It's so good. Um, Okay, autopsies concluded that Israel Swan's body showed signs of struggle while the other men all seemed to be killed in their sleep. According to Swan's family, he had left with about $6,000 in cash and gold, 
which is equivalent to $155,188 today. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just going to take a hundred grand with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's traveling like across. Like, yeah. And he's trying to go settle somewhere too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it seemed that the motive to kill him was to steal his money. It wasn't clear if the other men were in on it with Alfred before he turned on them or if he killed them to get rid of any witnesses. Alfred was convicted of the premeditated murder of Israel Swan and sentenced to death by hanging. But this was overturned because Alfred's attorneys argued that the murdered statutes had been changed when Colorado became a state instead of a territory. They also argued that the judge was biased since he and many of the other members of Lake City were Democrats. So he How had a, that? How does that make you bias? Um, I'll read you what the judge said in response to like or what the judge said to um Alfred when he was sentencing him. Okay. And it might give you some insight. I don't think it necessarily makes him biased. I mean the evidence is pretty clear, but uh it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're an attorney, you argue what you can. Right. Right. Exactly. So he had a new trial with a Republican judge, which ended with him being convicted of five counts of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 40 years in prison. So, um, at the time, I believe that was a pretty long sentence, but well, yeah. Also, a lot of people were sentenced to death. So it definitely wasn't like the worst sentence. I mean, obviously, he was sentenced to death before that. But 40 years is, I mean, life expectancy then wasn't what it is today. True, true. Especially if you're in a prison. But he got out before serving oh, the 40 years. He got out. Um, They let him out? Is that when he got out and wrote this, the, the musical? <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is what, this is what, how he got out. Okay. Um. So he gets the, the the death penalty overturned. Yep. The, the the judge does somehow. And then the Republican judge decides, okay, 40 years instead. Okay, carry on. So he serves 18 years. And then mm -hmm. this woman named Polly Pry, who was um, a reporter for the Denver Post, mm -hmm. she... For whatever reason, I think I think it was just like a good way to write articles and get people reading, you know, the Denver Post articles about it. Sure. Um, but she really became an advocate for him and she basically tried to make him seem like he was just this good guy who went on this exhibition with these other men and he was forced to eat them because he was starving. Yeah. Okay. So she wrote enough articles about this that other people started to kind of change their minds as well. And a bunch of people sent uh, petitions and letters and requests to the governor at the time, Charles Thomas, even though a lot of people didn't want him to get out. Um, I think the governor was just like, I can't take this anymore. So he let him go on to parole he released him really? to parole yeah okay so um he after alfred was released he worked as a guard at the denver post and also as a ranch hand and then he died hold on you said you would tell me what the what the judge oh yeah said 
Because um, I want to know how this is even possible to get that overturned. So, well, to get the first trial over, yep. the first trial was overturned because mostly because of the fact that the statutes had changed when Colorado became a state. Sure. But the, the Republican having a Republican judge was just like, I don't, it wouldn't have gotten overturned. I don't think just because the judge was a Democrat for the first trial. Okay. I think that it was mostly just his lawyers arguing we need a Republican judge for the second trial, but this is what he said. Okay. I'm going to try my best because, um, it's different, uh, vernacular. Yeah. Stand up, you voracious manny and son of a bitch, and receive your sentence. <laughs> <laughs> when it came to Hinsdale County, there was seven Democrats, but you, you ate five of them. God damn ya. I sentence ya <laughs> to be hanged by the neck until you're dead, dead, dead as a, as a warning. Again, reducing the Democratic population of this county Packer, you Republican cannibal, I would sentence you to hell, but the statutes forbid it. What? Dude, why can't court be like that now? I know that's I what I was thinking. I would go like too. every Friday or something and just watch watch the judge. That's what I was thinking too. But um <laughs> stand up, you man eating son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh but apparently I'm like sorry, the rest of funny. the rest of the judge's sentence, like he was pretty apolitical like you're supposed to be as a judge so this this case just really like he really he just went he just had a couple too many cocktails before sentencing i mean he must I, have right i mean things were way different so oh yeah i mean you i mean the judge could also be the barber yeah yeah uh so he ended up dying um when he was 65 on april 23rd 1907 okay and um so he didn't leave live free for too long. It was a little while, but Yeah. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a super long long time, no. Oh, That's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh people have continued to investigate this and look at the remains and try to figure out like what actually happened because like I said there were experts that said that there were animals. There was, you know, the, a normal amount of game during that time. So they should have been able to find some animals. Um, and they're just not sure, like, or they, they weren't sure at the time if this was something that Alfred did alone or if the other people helped him and then he turned on them like were they right. all like yeah let's kill um let's kill Israel to take his money and then we can all split it up and then Alfred was you know greedy and was like I want all that money so right which um, makes the most sense I mean rule of thumb is follow the money I don't know that I don't to me it doesn't make the most sense that they helped him because no, that no, is not at all. I just mean that maybe they maybe some were in on it. There's some mix of it, you know, like that. It makes the most sense to me, I guess is what I meant, is that it was money motivated. Oh yeah, absolutely. I one hundred percent 
think that it was money motivated. I definitely think that he killed them to take their stuff, mostly killed um, Israel to take his cash and then probably right. killed the others because they were witnesses. So I will tell you a little bit about the... I want to know about the musical. And is it still going? Is it like a common thing that people go see Cannibal? <laughs> I mean, it's got an exclamation point. I know. I think I know. I love the name of it. Um, so it was directed, written, produced, and co-scored by Trey Parker. Really? Yeah. From South Park <laughs> yes. and the Book of Mormon. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I need to see this. This sounds amazing. I I had no idea that it was like a comedy. I mean, I guess yeah, I understand why. Yeah, it is. It is like it is a comedy. I mean, you, that's why it's like cannibal, like, cannibal exclamation point. Um, so obviously it they very much draw from the the story, and it kind of tells the the true story, but in a more comedic. Like dramatic a satirical way. kind of way. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sounds awesome. <laughs> yes, I know. I just want to see Trey Parker, his his adaptation of the Judge. Oh, <laughs> God, it's yes, going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Ravenous was the other movie that was created after um. After Cannibal the Musical, right? Not a comedy, though. No, not a com, not a comedy. It's a horror, like Western type movie. Like, like it really was in real life. I mean, that sounds terrifying. The, and, this oh. one is um, not so much like it's just inspired by. It's like it's right. loosely. It's inspired by not the story of. If like that makes sense. Like there was a dude that ate people in Colorado. And go. Yeah, basically. Right. Yeah. Like they're like out in the middle of nowhere and then a cannibal. Somebody gets hungry. To, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then um, the other one is a biopic called The Ooh. Legend of Alfred Packer. Okay. Right. Yeah. You mentioned that. And that's um, that's more accurate to what like the story you just told me like. It's very close. I um, imagine, right? Like they try to. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, I believe so. I have not seen this. So. Maybe not as like. Well, yeah. I doubt it's as explicit as the Snowtown Murders was. If you if you're just tuning into this and you haven't uh, listened to Snowtown Murders, that's a that's one hell of an episode and one hell of a story. That movie was something else too. Yeah, that movie was um tough yes. to watch. Yeah. But I'm not totally sure if how how close to the true story this one is, but oh. I, I think that it is pretty close. Well, you said biopic, so I figured No, it is it is a biopic. Okay. But you know, some people do a better job of others. And yeah. I mean, for example, his name is misspelled. And Interesting. Like the name of the movie is the legend of Alfred Packer when his name is Alfred. Right, right, right. So, right. you know, I, I'm just not well, quite sure how that, good of then, a job they do. 
Well, also, there's a lot of liberty to be taken to be taken in a story this old because we don't really know. That's very true. Yeah, like he's told a bunch of different stories, and people, yeah, don't know like what his true intent was. And I, I think it seems that people are pretty sure that he intended to kill these guys to steal their their things, their money, yeah. and their stuff. And then he got snowed in and had right. to eat them. I don't think that he intended on killing them to eat them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kill the guy because you want the money, but you eat him because you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Please let us know if you want us to cover like more of the movies or the you know whatever piece of art we're talking about if you want us to cover more of it i never know how how much you want to know about it if that makes sense right um, and since you made it this far into the into our podcast this week thank you so much for being here yes thank you so 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 much we appreciate it more than you could know seriously thank you guys so so much for listening and for leaving reviews and Turning on automatic downloads, it means so much to us. And hell yeah, it does. It's just like it just warms my heart. It makes me really happy. Yeah, this is a dream of mine to be here with Gabby doing this. It's so much fun. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you next time. Yes, see you next week. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.